Hi everyone, Mike Taylor here from the Positive Jam team. Today, my co-host Daniel and I are talking about Bar Fruit Blues, track three on the Hold Steady's 2004 debut album, The Hold Steady Almost Killed Me. It's Daniel's favorite track. Tell him, Daniel. To me, Bar Fruit Blues takes it up a notch. Today, we're talking about why Bar Fruit is such a banger. From the grimy intro to the soaring second half, how this shows what is so great about Craig Finn's vocal delivery, we'll explore this song's journey through what it's like when a band finally works out the kinks and starts to meld together. We love this song, and we hope you'll enjoy the discussion. Let's go! Daniel! Track three, Bar Fruit Blues. You have a lot of thoughts. I do. My first thought is High Fidelity, the movie, and the main character, Rob, how he talks about the perfect mixtape. He talks about how first track has got to be a, you know really good. You've got to grab their attention, what we would call in modern day parlance, a banger. And then <laughs> a banger, <laughs> banger. That was with a G. Thank you. And then track two, you've got to take it up a notch. And then you don't want to blow your wad, so you have to calm it down You're on track three. If you take what we said last time about the idea of positive jam and the swish kind of being two sides of the same coin, to me, Barfruit Blues takes it up a notch from that that combined track one if you will so the rob gordon in the rob gordon framework bar fruit blues is actually song two on the mixtape because swish and positive jam are combined to make song one on the mixtape i'm jimmying this into that framework yeah okay no i'll i'll allow it so i just think it's this is back when 16 years ago when we were first listening to this or 15 years ago whatever it was this was one of the songs I, that stood out for me. I think I probably, when I did a mix at the end of the year, this was the Hold Steady representative, but it wasn't obvious standout. But the more I listened to it, the more it's really stayed with me. And I think it's my favorite track on the record. It's just a really smartly written song. It's interesting to listen to it and then listen to some of the bonus tracks, for example, that sort of echoes some of the musical themes here as far as the groove at the beginning, but they don't. This has some dirty parts, but then also some really soaring, yeah, affirming parts. And I think, you know, a lot of the themes we've talked about already and that we will continue to talk about this album play out in this song. The music lifestyle is, I think, a big theme here. Loving music. I think that'll be a good theme for the next track, too. Just this idea of, you know, what is it to care about music and why do we want to have a positive jam? Why do we bleed over this? comes out in this rec album or song as does what I expected versus what I got or what I want versus what I have. I think it's a really sharp song and I think it just is quotable on point everything else. So that's, that's my quick take. It's a song that I think I thought for a while it started uneven and I think it's, it's really strident and gross and off-putting at the beginning. The imagery in the lyrics is kids with kid- kidney stones. 
giving birth to bloody stereos, those are really like disgusting. If you actually imagine those images, they're gnarly. Even like the chicken strip, there's a lot of food in this one, which is like uncharacteristic. And I think along with that, let's try, we were talking about trying to sort of stick with the musical side of things. You know, I think that you can split the song in half. This opening that builds up and starts, there's sort of the first half is this strident and aggressive, sort of nasty and almost unpleasant sound. The call and response between Craig Finn's lyrics and Tad Kubler's guitar. The lead guitar lines are really staccato and pentatonic, almost like what you do when you're just noodling around on the guitar. They're not, they're confident licks, but they're not very polished, I think. And I think that's deliberate. And then in the second half, you get into this, it's much more melodic, a lot more of that kind of, I don't know if it's a sus four again, but some little half steps or little melodic lines coming in. What strikes me about this song, at least structurally, is the sort of two halves of it. Positive Jam starts quiet and gets loud. The swish has a very coherent sort of sound all the way through. This one really is, they sort of slam the brakes on you at the beginning and then work up towards this second half, which is a much prettier and I think one of the high points on the album, musically, at least in terms of how it moves me. So what do you think about this, like, two halves of Bar Fruit Blues? I think you're right. I think the beginning part where they're basically grooving on a, I think, an F-sharp major chord, that little bass line, it's really Gallon Polivka, the bassist, gets to stand out, but also the it's a rut, it's a groove. And I think that really fits the, the theme here because the singer is back in a bar band the audience member is still in the bars and you're just kind of, you're either returned or you're stuck. That's what I hear there. And then you have these little interludes where you're trying to break out of it. First, you're talking about the whole series of lines that goes from thought she was a dancer, sniffing margarita mix, and it goes down to what appears to be a sexual illusion as far as went down like a chicken strip. That's so gross. <laughs> it's pretty gross. Craig, it's, what are you doing? I don't even know what that means, but it's nasty. Dripping wet with a special sauce. Yeah. Confident smile and a nervous <laughs> cough. And we got off. Special sauce, a confident smile and a nervous cough, and we got off. And that's where you get your first, like... We're going to try to get out of this where you get a little bit of guitar hero play from Tad Kubler to try. I want to, wanna, yeah, I want to jump on that point. At the beginning, each person's part is distinct and almost sort of separate. It reminds me of being in a jam session with people that you haven't really played with before. Every person kind of like just starts doing their own thing sort of separately and you're sort of playing in parallel with each other, but you're not really playing together. And this song does a neat job of starting that way. And then the band kind of coheres at that point. They start playing as one band instead of as distinct entities operating on the same level, but each doing their own thing. So I think that's interesting, like this disconnect that then transitions into this like much more cohesive sound towards the end. And the fact that the song is about 
like you said, being in a bar band is kind of like trying to reach that cohesion is a lot about where, when you're starting out as a band. I respond a lot to that. I think that aspect of the breakdown is really interesting. Well, and then I think that sort of, if you're talking about the two parts of the song, so they fail to achieve escape velocity, right? They're back in a bar band. But then I think where this is a fun way to think about the song. I don't think that they wrote it with all this in mind, but then you have the whole scene of, again, the missed expectations. Went down with a tall boy can and woke up. I can't remember the line there. A cargo van. Cargo van. And that whole setup. And, you know, as when I was first listening to it, I think I may have mentioned this. Went down with some crust punk junk and woke up with a straight edge van. That was like, oh, you know, like that resonated with me. As, oh, that's something. I understand that. And that was a, that's a funny setup. But that section This is where Craig Finn's voice and the fact that he wasn't really singing at the time was really neat because he could basically just keep going, singing, but chanting, speaking in the same tone, the same pitch. Meanwhile, the band is playing, I forget, I think it's... Are they changing keys? They're changing keys on each line. I can't remember if they... I think they start on B. I don't have my guitar with me, but they start on a key and then they go B to C sharp. I think it is to D to E, and then they land on the G, which isn't in key with any of that, but then all of a sudden becomes a really nice solo, and finally the band is kind of in a classic Thin Lizzy, Springsteen-esque groove going. And so that's just kind of a really nice, the music really matches what they're doing with the lyrics and I think what the theme is of the song. And again, without all these words like it's a really that's such a rewarding feeling when you get to that guitar line and it just it's just a lot of fun to listen to it it kind of emerges the volume kind of cranks up on it over time and then it's like suddenly it's you don't quite notice it at first but then after you're like oh there it is that lead sweet child of mine sounding like hammer on pull off thing he's doing is just suddenly so much more melodic than where we started, which was just like, and then you're in this like sort of much more legato. I think it's a real achievement there. I think it's also an achievement in the light of, you mentioned the bonus tracks. I think one of the reasons that those are bonus tracks is that they have really obviously identifiable elements in them. I forget which track, but one of them has like a very clear Keith Richards, which is like, I think it's cool that they went for that and they did that. And I love all the bonus tracks. I think what's interesting is that those, they're a little bit weaker than this song, or I think the way you'd explain the decision of including something like Barfruit Blues and not one of the other tracks is that those tracks kind of stay more like salads a little bit where it's like the ingredients are like a little too obvious and distinct and the parts kind of don't come together. I think it's really interesting how Barfruit Blues, you start with that feeling and then get into this, like what they've made. They make a great, they made a good omelet towards the end. Not a fan of salads over there. My friends were at a band in college, but they, Apocryphally quoted Elliot Smith saying the most important part of a song is when everything changes. Whether or not he actually said that, what you're getting at is the bonus tracks don't really change. They don't hit that next level. And a song like The Swish is 
it does have different sections and changes, but it's just so overpowering from the start that it doesn't need to go to that next level. But here, when you hit that rising, those rising keys, and then all of a sudden that sweet child of mine like guitar solo, and that's really, everything changes. And that's really a, a rewarding moment. And so that's what I think distinguishes the salad from the omelet in your categorization. It's like shockingly gratifying to get to that point from where you are. I think this, I underappreciated this song because of how it starts. Because I don't know how you listen to this album. I would listen to it all the way through, track by track for a really long time. Like while I was playing pool or doing something with my friends. So the songs you'd kind of flow in one to the other. So I'm not even sure that I knew where the song started and stopped until we kind of did this exercise because it kind of flows right into most people are DJs in the next song. And those two parts are like, have such a distinct emotional experience or resonance that I might've just thought Barfruit Blues was the janky part at the beginning. So therefore like really underrated the song for not having realized that it was actually the same. Because that part, I don't even think of that sec- that second section as being in Barfruit Blues almost. That's how far they managed to get. So I would say you can kind of pair every song on the album with another song, right? We've already talked about Positive Jam, Wish. And then this and most people are DJs really flows together. I just, I also think this song has just a ton of great lines on both sides of it. I hear what you're saying about this sort of really physical. I think people with words who can do a good job with physical imagery is really powerful. And so I, I do like that, even if, I, even if it is gross and even if some of the lines don't add up all the way, like kids giving birth to bloody stereos. I think the lyrics are just really sharp here throughout. I love the line thought she was a dancer but her steps they made the record skip like that's just such a good way of does that mean she's a bad dancer i think so that's how i hear it so she like looks like a dancer but then she's like stomp stomping (laughs) she's off rhythm she's yeah she cannot kind of keep it together smoothly with the you know whether literally making the record skip or just she's whacked out she's had too much margarita mix yeah exactly Positive Jam is brought to you by Retro Gear Shop. Retro Gear Shop offers a unique selection of high-end musical instruments, recording equipment, and audio gear, and is sold to everyone from Pete Townsend to Arcade Fire to Wilco and more. Check out Retro Gear Shop at RetroGearShop.com and see why it's the premier high-end musical gear shop. Retro Gear Shop. Who's better off or worse off? The person who's back in a bar band or the person who's still in the bars? I love that. Well, I think it's like the ultimate comeback. I think about, I was thinking as I was walking back to my house earlier this morning, I was thinking about that back in a bar band, baby. I said, it's great to see you're still in the bars. First of all, back in a bar band, baby, that's five B's in a row. (laughs) Just like, so... It's kind of a flex. It's like a flex of alliteration. Baby is just funny by itself because it's clearly like condescending. It's good to see you're back in a bar band, baby. She's an ex or whatever. 
and like thinks that he's a loser. And then for him to say, I said, it's great to see you're still in the bars. I think it's obviously bad <laughs> to still be in the bars. Well, and it's, well, it's, it's almost like the, is it better to have loved and lost or never loved at all? But it's also uh, for what I said earlier about how Craig Finn doesn't really sing on this album, but he's really like the delivery here is really the vocalization in his lines in the, it's great to see you're still in the bars. Yeah. He almost laughs. I think we're just going to keep reaching new levels of, I don't want to say his voice is good because it's not sweet sounding. And he has said even in interviews that he doesn't hold notes. He knows what he's doing and what he's doing. I don't think he would describe as like great singing, but it is great vocal delivery. It's rhythmically interesting. And he puts a lot of interesting spin on the ball, even when he's just talking. And I think that still in the bars is a great with that little laugh on bars is just he drills that home so hard. The delivery is so strong there. Lyrics that are funny are usually not that resonant. You know what I mean? It kind of feels usually when someone writes a song that's like funny in some way. It's not about something or it doesn't explore something the same way that songs that are more serious about the subject matter do. But I don't think that that's true for Craig Finn and the Hold Steady. When there are jokes throughout the album and they come off as really coming out of his personality and expressing a perspective in a way that a funny no effects song about liking to drink beer or like they might be giants or and these aren't like novelty lyrics i think is what i'm getting at and it's just really i don't think there are that many poets or lyricists or composers who can thread that needle of being funny at the same time that they're putting you in a real situation there's emotional stakes in this with these two people encountering each other and trading these barbs and that's just kind of some really next level lyricism i think i don't think there are that many people who can do that well and so i think there's two things that i want to sort of jump off there one is that this is sort of a weird song in the sense that you know, next album is Separation Sunday, which is, let's not, maybe it's not a concept album, but it's essentially a a novel in song form. This song kind of stitches together different narratives. We get Holly showing up for the first time, I think, in the, right after the guitar solo we talked about. We, we're like, we're not sure if the perspective is the character here, Craig, because he's back in a bar band, because obviously he has some resonance there. Is it a musician like Craig? Is it some of the other musicians or characters that show up in the whole steady catalog to come. It's unclear. But then to your point about the using humor, but still making a point to me, the theme of the song beyond what I've said, it's the responsibility the the responsibilities we face as people. So let me riff here. That is where you clearly see that the person who's back in the bar band is better than the person still in the bars because there's Holly who's trying to do the best she can. She's sorry. She doesn't feel all that sweet about places she sometimes has to go to get some sleep. But 
people think she's pretty. And then the guitar revs up right after she says that. but because you keep asking me to do something and I'm doing my best and you're not happy. And it's just, I think it's like the perfect encapsulation of that feeling. Then that builds through, I'm stuck with these clever kids. This is our first real encounter with the clever kids who, such a brutal, brutal, but probably accurate riff on these Trevors. There's a reason those, the name Yeah, it's very evocative. Trevors, they suck. (laughs) <laughs> he's explicitly says it really sucks when you're stuck here with them this was supposed to be a party yeah one thing so this happens in positive jam and it happens a little bit in swish but lyrically one thing craig finn just continually does on this album is opposition i'm this way and these other people are not like me and usually these people are worse in like some very clear ways And I think you have that here. On top of that, there's this thing seeming one way and then turning out another way with went down on the tall boy cans, woke up in a cargo van, went down with the girls gone wild, woke up with the middleman. With that one, you're like, actually, you went one way and then ended up in pretty much the complete opposite. I think you combine those two things. I'm not like you and things aren't the way they seem. And then you get into... You are not what you think you are. He's speaking to these people. It's great to see you're still in the bars is like, you think you're cool. You're not cool anymore. You're too old to be doing this. You're too old to be still here. And now you're a bar fly. You're not like a cool scene person or like these clever kids are killing me for one. They ain't that clever. You're not clever. You're not as cool as you think you are. And I think this is an attitude that I pulled out of that resonated with me a lot in when I was in my 20s. And I kind of walked around for like four or five years being like this to people. You're not cool. You don't, you're not a good, I'm out in New York at some like party where there are a lot of like writers and editors and just kind of like being snotty to everyone. Like you're not really going to make it. You're not good. Uh, You don't know what you're talking about, which I don't think worked out well for me. It's a tough, tough thing to pull off, but it definitely, that charisma and that confidence, I think, really struck me, even to the extent that I like tried to emulate it. What I think is, and I also think this will come out in the next track for Craig and for the Hold Steady, is that they can sneer or they can make fun of the clever kids or whatever. But to me, the end of the song is really what drives home. They're inclusive. They are going with positive jams. So half the crowd's calling out for Born to Run, which the Springsteen legacy, also another song about trying to get out, trying to get away. The other half's calling out for Born to Lose, which the genius annotation says is probably from the Heartbreakers, a Minneapolis band. This 
opposition of Born to Run, which, despite being about trying to get out, is usually considered an optimistic song. You have Born to Lose, but we were born to choose. And then we've got really, really big decision blues. We were born to bruise, which is, again, it is the sort of idea of you can't just sit in the bar and sneer and mock and try to think you're better. You've got to get out there in the arena. You've got to try and you might, you're going to get hurt. Kids with Broken Bones is where we started, and in the end, we're born to bruise. And so I think that's where I didn't know you in your 20s, and I don't want to gainsay how you approach things, but I think that's where the whole Steady's perspective is a little bit more open and a more, there are people who think that they're cooler than they are, and they should be called out on their shit. But at the same time, we're all in this together. We're all wow. in the mosh pit. We're all going to get banged around. and. It's really, really big decisions, but we're we're gonna we're gonna make it. Bruise. I always landing on that word, bruising, and and we've talked before about how we're trying not to do close readings, but we're definitely going that way this time. But I think we just can't help it because of how rich and enjoyable the song is. Bruising is you're not breaking your bones, bruising. It hurts, but it's not really that bad. And so I think it's a funny we were born to bruise like we mix it up a little bit, but we're not. It reminds me of Chill Out Tent, which is a song we were talking about earlier off of one of their later albums. He went to jail, but never prison. And I think about that a lot in the context of this kind of, you want to push yourself. And I think this is sort of a theme, but you don't want to end up hooked on drugs or overdosing or, you know, getting stabbed. Like there's no endorsement of the extreme sort of behaviors that are cataloged here, but it's like wrestling with this idea of you might want to get in a bar fight, but you don't want to go to prison. You want to see what you're made of and what you can do, but you don't want to go too far. And I feel like Born to Bruise kind of captures that and captures a lot of this testing yourself. What are you tough? How clever are you? How good are you? Bruise just is really funny to me in that way because it's like it leaves a mark, but the mark's going to go away. And like it hurts, but it's really quite manageable on the scale of things that could happen. Said it hurts, but it's worth it. Exactly. A Positive Jam is brought to you by Retro Gear Shop. Retro Gear Shop sells a bunch of great cutting edge and classic musical gear from synths to mics preamps to guitar pedals, and more. For example, they sell the Earthquaker Devices Organizer and the Earthquaker Devices Dispatch Master. Have you ever needed your devices organized or your devices dispatched mastered? Well, some people do, and you know who does? Hold Steady Guitar's dad, Kubler. He uses the Organizer. And you know who uses the Dispatch Master? That's right. Hold Steady lead singer Craig Finn, according to MusicRadar.com. Want to check him out? Go to RetroGearShop.com and check out the Effects Amps page. And if you buy something and use the discount code APJ10, that's the number 10, you'll get a 10% discount off your purchase on eligible items. 
Check it out at RetroGearShop.com. R-E-T-R-O-G-E-A-R-S-H-O-P.com. Retro Gear Shop. Anything else you got for this one? Because to me, that's that's the song. Just bar fruit real quick is a play on bar fly probably, right? And so it's like fruit flies. I just remember whenever I think the title of this song, I think about I was a bartender for a brief period and cutting up the fruit at the beginning of the shift. And then at my bar, at least it was in one of those little plastic box boxes that had the separate containers. So there's like the lemon section, the lime section, the cherry section, oranges, etc. And just how over the course of a shift at the bar, especially in the summer, like the fruit flies would come out to like eat the bar fruit. It's just a great, it captures a lot of what the song is about. I think like staying to overstaying your welcome bars are really fun. Fruit is really sweet, but if you let it go too long that you can overdo it born to bruise fruit bruises, and then it's not good anymore. I think it captures the disgustingness of the, the thing, the cloying sweetness of it, and all this tension between you want to be cool, but you don't want to go down these sort of well-worn paths. Yeah, I like that. I think that's spot on. Uh, don't get a fruit in your drinks, PSA. You don't know whose hands have been in there. You don't know how long it's been there. You don't want fly eggs in your beer. The only other thing I'll say is it's interesting how much I put on Bar Fruit Blues Radio on Spotify, and it was pretty emo heavy, which seemed pre- pretty clever kid heavy. I think we're going to get into that probably when we're sort of wrapping up here. This is a good example of song the directions that you can go from this song and the directions Hold Steady chose versus what they could have done are really interesting to me. And I think that this song represents a lot of the potential in the band that I like hoped we would explore in more detail, which I think they delivered on in a lot of ways, but in a lot of ways they went different directions. But that's a conversation for a separate time. So we'll hold that. To close out this episode, we're sharing a live recording of a Hold Steady show from 2005, a couple months before Separation Sunday came out in Duluth, Minnesota. Future Positive Jam guest Brian Holm shared this with us and sheds a little more light on the motivation behind Bar Fruit Blues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 so we first started this band and uh, I was in a band before, I was in a band with town, we called like the Bullards. It took a few years out from playing music.
Appreciate you, Brian. Thanks as always to the Hold Steady and thanks to the Heartbreakers as well. As a disclaimer, all song clips are owned by their creators. If you like this episode, please subscribe to our feed wherever you get your podcasts. Next week, we'll talk about Most People Are DJs, the Jet Ski Song, which means we'll be talking about our first trip into the notorious Ebor City. To get in touch with us, DM us at Shortman Studios on Twitter or email us at mail at shortmanstudios.com. This has been a Shortman Studios production. I'm Mike Taylor, and this is a positive jam. Get out there!